Washington Post columnist David Ignatius has traveled in Syria with rebel fighters, and he says he's in daily contact with some of them. Ignatius thinks a critical phase of the battle for Syria's capital has just begun. This week, we've had some major actions, attacks on the airport, shooting down of a plane landing. I was just told a few minutes ago, closure of some of the regime's access points to the south and the key city of Dara. So we're really, I think, now entering the decisive phase of this military conflict, which is the battle for for Damascus itself. And the tide may be turning, but isn't the opposition so fractured that a turning tide doesn't really mean that much? The problem in Syria is very similar, really, to the problem that we experienced in Iraq, which is the problem of what happens the day after. The opposition movement that will topple Bashar al-Assad is fragmented. It has many different strands. Those different uh, parts of the opposition are funded by different rival Arab countries. The United States has some contact with some of the groups but has been unable to form a unified, coherent command structure that could have made for a smoother transition. I mean, Secretary Kerry a few weeks ago made a promise to bring more support to the rebels. But given the divisions, does Washington know where to actually deliver that aid? Let me give you an example of how difficult this proves to be in practice. The United States responded to a request from the commander of the Free Syrian Army, Brigadier General Salim Idris, by setting up a training program in Jordan. And the idea is to train elite members of the Free Syrian Army who could then go out and train others to create a kind of something like our special operations forces, some highly trained, very skilled fighters who would have better equipment and who could form a kind of nucleus. The problem, it turned out, was that fighters either didn't want to leave the fight in Syria or couldn't make their way to the training area in Jordan. So the impact of this program, which sounds great on paper, has been very limited in practice. So are you saying the Obama administration's commitment to the Syrian opposition is basically just symbolic up to this point? It's a series of ideas that make sense on paper, but that in practice, according to the Syrian contacts I talk to almost every day, uh, in, in practice hasn't had much effect on the ground yet. Let me ask you one more thing about leadership for the opposition. Uh, they've just elected a, a new interim prime minister, a man named Hassan Hito. Is he a known quantity by many people in Washington? Hassan Hito is a somewhat obscure Syrian uh, activist. He's been living in Texas for a long time. He was pushed to the fore with the backing of Turkey and Qatar, two countries that would like to see an Islamist government succeed President Bashar al-Assad. The U.S. would not like to see that outcome. The person the U.S. prefers in the opposition is known as Sheikh Mouaz al-Khatib. He's met with Vice President Biden. Uh, he's been quite outspoken in saying that he's prepared to meet with responsible members of the Syrian government, not Bashar al-Assad, but others, to try to work for a, an effective transition. But he got so upset at the internecine fighting that was taking place within the opposition that he quit as president of this opposition coalition. Right. He seems sort of to be back now. He's actually taken the seat of Syria in the Arab League at a meeting that was held Wednesday in Doha, Qatar. But this back and forth, the confusion about who's leading the rebel movement illustrates just how complicated, how tangled these politics are. And it's for a reason that people who know the Middle East will be very familiar with. Arab regimes end up subsidizing 
different warlords. You see this in Lebanon. I, I watched this for 30 years in Lebanon. You see this in Libya today. The wealthy countries, Saudi Arabia, Qatar in particular, tend to fight their battles using proxies in these countries. That's happened in Syria. And it's one reason why the future for Syria is going to be so hard to predict because you've got all these uh, different warlords, let's, let's be frank, who have big bags of money and lots of supporters thanks to their outside sponsors who are going to be pushing for effective control on the ground if the regime falls. Serial watcher David Ignatius is a columnist for The Washington Post. His latest novel, Blood Money, is set in Pakistan. David, always good to speak. Thank you. Thank you very much.